Hello, welcome to Lamb Informs Radio, the podcast where I interview musicians and artists about their latest projects. My name is Ian Corey, and I'm the songwriter in the band Lamniforms. I love learning about an artist's process, their intentions, and who they are as people. Today I am joined by Randall Taylor, who makes music under the name Amulets. Taylor's music sits at the edge of a few genres, ambient, drone, post-rock, and noise. But what interests me most about Amulets is his process. Taylor repurposes old cassettes and tape players, tinkering with their circuitry and using them to create haunting, looping drones. He also details this process extensively on his YouTube and Instagram pages, where he posts short improvisations on his manipulated gear. I wanted to talk to Taylor about how he developed this style of music making, his transparency about his work on social media, and his terrific new record, Blooming, out on the Flenser on April 2nd. But before we get to the interview, I'd like to mention that I also have an album coming out this month. It's called You Can't Do This Alone. It is an eight-track remix album that features collaborations with artists like Humesha, Fabio Brienza of Varaha, Numina, and more. It comes out on April 9th, but you can pre-order it now at lamniforms.bandcamp.com. Now on to my conversation with Randall. Thank you for listening. So I try and do my due diligence when interviewing people and look up other interviews that they've done in the past. And either my Googling skills are starting to fail or yeah. you don't do a ton of interviews. I don't do a ton. I've done like um, three podcasts, maybe in my entire thing. Like I think mm-hmm. I just recently did my fourth, like a couple weeks ago. So I don't have a ton of um, podcast interviews. And so, yeah. Uh, or just interviews in general. I feel like, um, not that I'm against them, but I, I feel like, I guess I just don't have that many under my belt. Although uh-huh. this month is, um, with the promo for the album, I've been doing a lot more interviews and stuff and, uh, magazine interviews and, and podcasts and stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been a interesting new world. Do you, is, was the previous lack of interviews out of choice or lack of interest on your part? I don't neither. I don't think it, I was, um, necessarily against it i i've always kind of accepted most any interview that you know people have wanted or i i don't know i don't know why that is maybe uh i don't know maybe people think that i am unapproachable unapproachable or something i don't i don't know (laughs) that's interesting because the other sense that i've got from your social media and your youtube channel is actually that you are pretty approachable as far as this style of music goes like you don't you don't take great pains to like no obscure your process or anything no if anything it's it's quite the opposite for sure um and and i i don't want to feel uh you know i always approach it with uh with the openness i always appreciate that in other artists and um that i I just don't want to feel too precious or protective about it i certainly didn't invent the tape loop and um you know i'm not the only one to use it i just Mm -hmm. It's a, just another tool that I use and, and to make the music that I want. But yeah, I think the, the, for me, it's all about just like process and being open and sharing. And, um, you know, I, I remember looking stuff up on YouTube before I even started this in the same way that I learned how to do some of the things I wanted to do was from YouTube and just to be back on YouTube doing the same thing and just sharing and being open. I think it's like, you know, help, very helpful. So given that I, I don't have a ton of info about your your biography because of this scarcity of uh, of interviews, sure. I like to kind of start pretty early just so I have a sense of where you're coming from musically. Did you grow up in Portland? No, I actually grew up in uh, upstate New York, in like central New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm calling from Brooklyn, so. Okay, yeah. I grew up in like a little bit south of Syracuse. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And you... Uh, did you play music when you were living there? Like how early did you get started on uh, on playing music? I I was learning, um, I guess like my very first instrument, I was learning, I was playing clarinet in like fourth grade and I did that for a few years. Yeah, I was playing clarinet uh, in fourth grade for a few years and I didn't love it. And I ended up switching to guitar in I think like eighth grade. 
I just really, it just really resonated with me. And I um, played guitar in several bands throughout high school and had a bunch of solo projects in college and bands, just like all after that, just in various bands playing guitar. And I was playing drums for a second. And why the switch to guitar? I, I just, I remember like not being in love with clarinet and um, <laughs> just uh, wanting to, I think, you know, in, in my like seventh grade brain, I thought it was cool. Like guitar would be much cooler and I could be in bands and stuff. And I don't know, I think just like guitar based music was something that I was surrounded by and, and playing guitar just uh, kind of opened up a lot more for me. And I could, and I, I honestly, I think it just learning songs and being able to play songs was like really appealing and stuff. So guitar has always been the instrument so and what kind of scene were you playing in like what style of music was it like rock music punk like where were you i mean i guess I've, I've played in so many i mean uh like in in high school i was in uh like a bunch of cover bands i was in a ska band i was <laughs> okay. like in some punk bands you know i was in a post-rock band and like after college i was like in this joke band in college and I feel like I've played a lot of different stuff, just trying to figure out what I like, but also just for the sake of playing, I just really mm. enjoyed playing. And, you know, I think that uh, you know, guitar for me um, was just, it was like my entry to music, but also just like very expressive. And I could play both. I'm interested in so many different styles of music, but also playing different styles of music. And, and I think that it's all, it all comes together in, in, in different ways for me. And were you messing around with, tape music or more like non-physical mm -hmm. quote unquote physical instrument styles of music back then too or did that come later I, I think that like um in college i really started experimenting with more like kind of the experimental side and i remember just like circuit bending some instruments and stuff and getting some weirder sounds and buying thrifted tape players and like recording stuff i i wasn't into tape loops at that point but i remember just having uh, a few pieces of gear that I just, yeah, I was really into just the idea of like thrifting weird things and, and playing, trying to play with them. And um, I definitely flushed that idea out uh, way more later in life. I think those, those are the initial seeds of um, being in like a weird band with my friend and we would play, you know, toy keyboards and I had my circuit of instruments and I'd play back weird tapes. And, you know, it, it just was like the initial spark, I guess, for a lot of that kind of, that kind of world. But um all of that came into play later, much later. And yeah, I think that, yeah, it was just like a, it's been, it's all been a very interesting journey to have it all come together. But yeah, in, in college too, I was really getting into a lot of like experimental video making and like, I went to school like for filmmaking and stuff. And I was really getting into VHS tapes and like video feedback loops and really trying to make a lot of like uh, video art and stuff. And I think that also came into play and it's definitely something I revisited within, you know, with this project and everything. Gotcha. Yeah. So I was going to ask like where the inspiration to start circuit bending and kind of breaking into the technology of these instruments came from. So that was that something that was inspired by what you were learning in terms of studying film? Yeah, I think that there was just kind of a lot of um, yeah, that kind of experimentation with with gear and like hardware and stuff and I remember taking experimental video classes and I think I'd like, it was like a music class that was similar or it was like future music or experimental music or something. And I remember my teacher teaching us about circuit bending and just introducing the idea. And I really was like fascinated by it. And it combined this early love of uh, just, I just really loved thrift stores and use things. And I remember just going there a lot when I was younger, but also when I was younger, I just liked to take things apart and like mm. just, mess with electronics i didn't know what i was doing but i just liked to take things apart and see how they worked or just figure out what i could do with them circuit bending i remember scratched an early itch of like you know basic soldering skills and then just curiosity and not knowing what you're doing and certainly i broke a lot of instruments but i made a few things that were cool that made cool sounds and i didn't really know what to do with them but i, I it kind of opened this this door to understanding uh, of a new way of understanding and approaching gear and, and making music. Yeah. I was uh, one of the sort of big picture questions that I was going to ask you is whether you were chasing a particular sound and looking for instruments that could make the sound that you had in your head or whether you were following the experimental process of like 
messing around with these instruments and toying with them and ending up kind of yeah sound is like the later thing mm -hmm. i think it was initially just kind of experimenting with the, the actual physical items the toys and 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 discovering some of those sounds and you know some of those sounds weren't very musical and i didn't really know what to do with them at first and it wasn't i think until later in life that i started to understand some of the sounds that i was looking for and like how to make them musical or mm -hmm. sounds that weren't very musical and like that that could be just as important you know in in in, in context of the songs and like texture and and, and everything so I think it would definitely started off with just the, the initial gear and those experiments and discovering what sounds it could make. When did that sort of switch over happen? Like what inspired that moment where you started to have a more concrete idea of what you were going for? You know, I, I think that uh, for me, there was, there was a, a real urge to, you know, I had been in a lot of bands and I had a lot of side projects and over the years and stuff. And, there was a real want and need to perform live like my solo projects or whatever but like a lot of people i think we we're i was just in my daw with like a lot of multi-tracked stuff and trying to figure out how to play live and trying to figure out how which is going to be a backing track and which things i could actually play and i felt very limited and i started going down this road of discovering like hardware solutions and remember watching a lot of videos um on like modular synths and like other things that people could like you know just set up and play and, and not use the computer and I, it became this goal to like figure out a setup that i didn't have to rely on a computer i didn't have to rely on backing tracks um necessarily or i could play more things live and more fluidly mm -hmm. and that's how i came to the four track recorder and tape loops and then i mean i think just also like a history of using guitar pedals you know and then just combining all of that and um so i think i think i actually i don't know if i actually answered that question i'm like i think i went off on a tangent so scrolling back a bit i guess like first i asked about whether it was the experimenting with the gear that you were interested in or whether there was a sound that you were going for initially and when when you answered that you sort of suggested that it was first one thing and then later mm. the other yeah and so I was trying to figure out like when that crossover happened and where you were in your life when right. that happened. So, so I think like, you know, with that whole uh, aspect of, of looking for a hardware solution and looking for a gear and looking for, you know, I, it took me back to kind of circuit bending and I didn't necessarily start circuit bending again, but it was like that kind of like foundation of like these found gear, this, this, these things that, you know, you could take and try to make something with. And, um, so I approached it in that kind of hardware exploration phase. And I remember listening to, um, specifically, I remember listening to um, Tim Hecker. My friend had showed me and I, you know, I think I just didn't listen for a few years. I was like, oh yeah, I'll check that out sometime. And I'm notorious for my one friend who sends me stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll check that out. And I just don't. And <laughs> I, I remember like listening to, I think Harmony and Ultraviolet, that album and just being floored by what i thought you know my preconceived notions of like ambient music and and what it was and and like listening to his stuff and like what it could be and mm -hmm. and like this this mix of like ambient and drone and noise and like all of these different elements that really fascinated me in a way that like it and it was very melodic and had like uh, just really interesting harmonic structures and stuff, and, and but it was mixed with everything else, and uh, it made me want to to like try that or like be inspired. Where I could like, what if I combined all these things? Like, what if I combined the weird sounds um, that I remember discovering early in like circuit bending, or in like combining tapes and like combining guitar and combining you know field recordings and and things that like I had. I was like, I feel like I have dabbled in a little bit in all my life and just tried to throw them together in a way that made sense to me. And so when you started doing that, were you working professionally in film? Like what came of that side of your life after college? When I graduated, I just started working and like, you know, I kind of was still trying to do some filmmaking stuff and kind of fell off that. And, you know, I remember just, I kept playing in bands, but the, I think the film part kind of fell off and 
you know, I was just working in like, I remember jobs that, that weren't, uh, they didn't inspire me. And like, I ended up having a career as a front end web developer, um, which is funny because I remember taking a, like a web design class in college and I didn't like it. And I was like, I'll never be a coder. And like, that's not, <laughs> um, and then later in life, I found myself coding and designing websites and stuff. And I had a few different jobs during that. And, you know, I think it was just became this very, like, not very fulfilling career, but it was a job and it was, you know, it was good money and like having that. And then at night, I just remember working on, especially with amulets, like, coming home at night and just working on songs and fixing up tape players and and putting together these weird concoctions of gear and stuff and trying to find new sounds and and everything and i remember that lifestyle of like working and then coming home you know eating and then working on music until like one two three in the morning right and then wake up and keep doing it it just was like it became this obsession and and I was definitely working like two two jobs <laughs> like I was trying to balance you know working and 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 music mm-hmm. were you touring at that point too or yeah I would take time off from my jobs the, my various jobs and and I would just like take a week off here and there and like book my own tours and like would get my friend to come with me and we would drive from because I was living in Austin at the time and so we we made these little DIY tours that were just insane to like just knock out in a week and I would go from like Austin to like Chicago and back and like Austin to Atlanta and back and Austin to LA and back and Mm -hmm. just try to like tour as much as I I could. Yeah. What are the sort of cities that you feel like you really needed to play that are receptive to this style of music that you're making? Cause I feel like it's, I don't really have a sense of like where Mm -hmm. like the hot scene is for. Yeah. I mean, it was funny because I I was trying to figure that out too. And like, as I was touring and playing more and like, I mean, I think playing live was an important aspect for me, especially coming from like my history in bands that like, you know, I didn't want to just like make music, you know, siloed in, in my house and stuff. I wanted to play it live and I figured out how I could, play that live with with this setup and you know I was searching for those cities and and, and places that would be receptive and you know it was it was a mixed bag because I didn't really I knew some people and I tried to connect along the way of some of those tour routes and stuff but um it was always fascinating because places you would think that like oh this is going to be a good place you know wasn't you know this city is going to be better mm-hmm. wasn't as good or like oh but like Fayetteville Arkansas is way better and like the kids were awesome there and stuff and it's really interesting because like it made me realize that like and i tried to just understand that better that whatever you think you know you don't like you like oh this is going to be the coolest place to play and everyone's going to be really like awesome there and like you know it wasn't or it just was like this other place was way better and smaller and more chill and it was just always surprising and and really it was it was good it was good for me to like go through that and also play to places that you play for no one, you know, and it's very humbling experience to get up there with all your stuff. And you're like, there's nobody here. Like there's only the other bands and, you know, or no one knows you and no one cares. And like, yeah, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to take your lumps on that side of it for sure. Absolutely. Um, Do you enjoy the experience of touring and, and traveling? I do. I, um, I, I like it a lot and I've been missing it uh, this past year for sure. And um, I was luck- lucky enough to sneak out a West Coast tour with uh, opening for This Will Destroy You on um, uh, last February, right before like lockdown and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to have been able to do that, but definitely have been missing that, you know, this past year. Yeah, that's that also kind of rubs up against another question that I had, which is that you know, obviously like a, a band like this will destroy you pretty post-rock influenced, mm-hmm. although I, I yeah. think that they would contest that in interviews, I believe. But where do you find that this style of music that you're making kind of rubs up against other scenes? Like, do you, is it like purely people listening to just like the style of music that you're making? Or do you see that your fan base kind of crosses over into other genres or other cultures? I, I definitely think there's a large crossover for sure. And, and and personally, I just feel like I have a large crossover in things that I'm interested in as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think of myself as an ambient purist, both listening or creating. Like I 
know that I definitely came from a lot of post-rock bands and a lot of, you know, just, I think like growing up, I was listening to a lot of like hardcore and post-hardcore and like emo and like things that I, you know, like gr growing up with and in metal and stuff. And I think that all of those things I still enjoy and kind of like have filtered through my view of like how I create music. And I think that there is a lot of overlap in all those genres and there, you know, people who like, um, you know, ambient and post-rock and, and drone and noise and, and different things. Um, yeah. The, I think there's a, there's an interesting, um, interesting cut there of, of all, of all different sorts of people for sure. Have you had any like examples of like a type of listener that has surprised you that has gotten into your music, like some sort of like an angle into your sound that you wouldn't have expected? Not necessarily. I think I might be, you know, I don't know if I've discovered the, the, a surprise listener. I mean, I think that I'm probably the surprise for people where uh -huh. I like all these different things or like I'm unapologetically like into like pop music and like, I like things that are very like catchy and like, I definitely don't feel like a snob about a lot of things that in fact, I feel like people think that I'm weirder because I know these songs and like these songs and make this kind of music. And, uh -huh. but I like it all. I do absorb it all. And I feel like I'm probably the weirdest person <laughs> in that sense. What do you view the relation between like playing live versus recording? Cause music like this, I find the experience listening to it is very internal mm -hmm. and very not introspective necessarily, but it, it seems like it's, it's headphone music or it's like very good speaker music to really kind of mm -hmm. like feel the yeah. timbres of it and playing live. There's so much a uh, chance for chaos, things that are out of your control. Totally. Do those sort of different impulses ever sort of rub up against each other or conflict with each other for you yeah i mean i think uh, the the recorded piece is always you know it's a lot more nuanced as there's you know there's a lot of like purposeful textures and things that like happen in certain points that are very intentional and i think that with the live setup you have i do i've learned over the course of playing these songs and and touring that you have to in, embrace some of the chaos of it. You know, mm -hmm. there is not only am I working with tape loops, which warp and decay and break, but that, you know, like I'm only one person too. Like in, in, a, in a band setting, you know, things happen and like other people can pick up the slack or, you know, like a guitar string breaks and, you know, they can like grab another guitar. Like mm -hmm. I feel like um, when I'm playing live, and one of my, you know, band members or like tape players fails that I'm the one scrambling to figure it out and to patch that hole or so, I mean, just in that sense, it is very unpredictable. And I've just tried to lean into the unpredictability of it and like, mm -hmm. you know, stuff happens and, you know, you, you, you roll with it, but also just sonically amplifying these songs and, 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 I especially found this with this past tour with uh, This Will Destroy You, like playing larger venues that I had to practice in larger spaces and figure out the acoustics of how to scale my setup up, right. you know, uh -huh. and to understand how, like when I hit this guitar chord, how does that balance with everything else? You know, I started adjusting a lot of... Um, um, parameters and effects uh, within for myself, just so I could understand uh, and hear myself better and make sure that what I was playing didn't just sound like mud. <laughs> and like, um, because, you know, it's just like having um, that scale of, of, of speaker systems and subwoofers and stuff that, um, you know, playing alone in my studio could not replicate. And so uh, I think it's, it's, it's very, it's very fun. Uh, it's it's very um, excruciating sometimes too to just make sure like you're you're getting it all and it, you you're creating um, not only an accurate experience but um, one that is pleasing <laughs> to you too. Mm -hmm. When you say accurate experience, are you talking about like fidelity to the original recordings or fidelity yeah. to some sort of okay? I mean, I think fidelity, but also just mood. I think yes, mood and 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 experience and. Um, yeah, just like the uh, the immersive quality of it. You know, I, I want to make sure that like 
um, you know, the highs aren't too distracting, or the lows aren't too muddy and like where it feels like it, it, it feels like how I would want it. Like it, it still comes across the way it's recorded and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about mood, what is the sort of mood that you'd ideally like to have your listener get put into by your music? Well, I think that, um, you know, I think with what I've been making, you know, I, I don't want to tell anyone how to feel um, when mm-hmm. they're listening to my music. And I certainly know that I am not the most interesting, you know, uh, music where, where I have no, I don't have any other band members. I don't have any other, other instruments or vocals or anything. So for me, the live experience was really about creating just, you know, and not necessarily like a specific mood, but like this atmosphere that was very, um, I want to say spacey. I don't know. It's just, it's very immersive in it. Like I use projections too, like mm-hmm. in my live settings. And, and I have these abstract kind of experimental video uh, projections that are, that are over me that help mask what I'm doing or like, so I can't see the crowd. It like, it's like twofold where like it shines on me so they can see these like abstract lighting things happen, but also like, I can't necessarily see the crowd uh, cause it's shining on me. And so it helps me, uh, it gives me a little bit more confidence <laughs> you <laughs> sure. know, when I'm playing in like larger shows and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people out there. I'm glad like I have this constant headlight in my eyes, but it's, I, I would, I just wanted to create, yeah, I, I, I don't know, just a space for people to, to feel and to take a moment. Uh, you know, you need to talk about like introspection and stuff and like, you know, that's, that's something like if people find themselves in that, mm-hmm. like, that's great. And, um, you know, I want people to just like have a moment in my music and like, I, I try to create a, a space within that. So it's, it's immersive. It's, it's very intentional and it's very, um, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know what words I would use to, to say what it is, but I, I have had people, a lot of people come back and, and tell me about how they felt when they listened to me, like how they, how, when they were listening to me and what they were seeing, it took them to another place or they brought mm-hmm. up memories that they had or created new memories or thoughts that didn't exist or something. And, and, uh, it took them someplace. And I think that that is, yeah, is, is really beautiful to me that it can take you someplace and people are just standing there for 20 minutes. And it, it's right. A, it's a- yeah. To me, it seems like what you're describing um, and correct me if I'm off base here. It's like, you want to create a space that allows interpretation. Like you want to provide yeah. anything, but what that thing is will be different for each person. That I think that it. is exactly it. Yeah, I want to definitely create a space where people can interpret what they want from that. And um, yeah, absolutely. And do you also make the, uh, the visual projections yourself as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was definitely um, a fun aspect when I started doing that. It, it definitely took me back to like my, video art experimental days and i and i just kind of did the same things that i was doing back then and just kind of made like made long form pieces and i was a lot of it's um found vhs footage on like youtube and like like old family videos that i manipulated and like a lot Mm -hmm. of layering and stuff and so it's very like um which is very textural kind of video piece when did you first start getting interested like going like pre-college when did you start getting interested in in video and film and that whole medium in in high school, I remember just yeah, I think that was a it was like peak um like jackass like days. Okay, and I yeah. I remember just like making dumb videos with my friends and like um I think I like, you know, borrowed my parents' camera and like we had some editing software that they got me and like I started there and it was making very dumb videos, but then I started writing like a few scripts and I would have my friends like be in them. Um, so I made a few mo- movies there and I, I thought that that's what I really wanted to do was be like, um, a filmmaker and I was playing music at the same time. And, and I think that it became clear, I think in college for me that like, I wasn't, I, d- I didn't want to be like a traditional filmmaker. Like I didn't know, I, I didn't, I don't know, I guess like maybe there's a lot of other kids that, that were there and they wanted to be the next like Tarantino and stuff. And I, I just didn't that didn't resonate with me, but, um, I was still playing music and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, but I remember when I started making a lot of those experimental videos, 
that I started making the music for him. And I enjoyed that aspect way more that I was like making a weird video and then I was making my own music for it. And I remember that clicked one day that it was like, oh, well, I can make this weird video with no one in it or whatever and make the music for it. And that became something new for me. It seems like you have an interest, a particular interest in like older technology. So like analog tapes, VHSs, yeah. family footage yeah. and whatnot that you're describing finding on YouTube. Is part of the appeal the fact that it is like ob- objects from the past and capturing images from the past? Or is it, are you interested in just like that era of technology on a mechanical level? Like what do you think draws you to that, that particular style? Yeah, I mean, I think I, all of it. I mean, I think the mechanics of it are like very, they're just very pure. They just are moving parts, you know, there is, um, which, which like really fascinates me in, in taking them apart and trying to fix them or modify them and, and other things. But um, also just, you know, I think there is that, I, I do find the mediums fascinating. I, you know, I think the, the quality of, of the images and sounds are, are, so unique and 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 it's so interesting how we we go back in time to you know try to emulate you know those kinds of feelings and those kinds of textures and and the kind of quality you know putting filters on things or like mm-hmm. running things through emulators and stuff and yeah i mean i think that's just you know i think like a lot of people are drawn to 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 that to that sound and that feel and I think that paired with my interest in just like thrifting and finding stuff and fixing stuff, I, I just, you know, amassed a collection of, of weird things. And um, a lot of them are broken and I, I have a like fix up pile that is growing. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm a low key hoarder at this point, but I, I do love the, the thrill of the find and, and, and the, the mediums themselves. And I, I yeah, I do just love, using all of that but i also like mixing it with with new stuff too you know there's like all these fascinating pedals and like effects and stuff that um i love pairing the two and and seeing how they work together and seeing how they would sound and everything and Mm -hmm. i think everything becomes this like sonic palette where i'm just trying to mix all these things together and see see how they do see what they see how they sound yeah, I guess the other layer to the question that I'm trying to get at is also like, do you view your work as being about the past in some way or like about mm-hmm. nostalgia on some level? I think that I it is hard for me to say that it is not part of it because I am an inherently nostalgic person for sure, um, both with technology and, and my own life and and just you know music and films and but also that the technology itself i think it's it's hard not to it's hard to remove the nostalgia from it it's hard to um separate the two and so i i think that it's not necessarily like i'm not purposely trying to create nostalgic music i guess Mm -hmm. but that i i understand that like it's inescapable and the comparison is going to be there and i don't actually mind that like because i understand what I, what I'm doing and what I'm using and that it, that it is what it is. And like leaning into that and knowing that, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm playing with my tapes on stage and yeah, I'm have a digital projection of old VHS tapes on me and stuff like, yeah, it's all there for sure. And to say that it's, it's not about that. It would be, yeah, a lie for sure. It, it, there is a lot of that is about that, but it's just inescapable and that's, Mm -hmm. that's okay with me. I, I'm very much a part of it. Uh, So kind of jumping forward into, into the present, one of the things that I've found really interesting about the sort of modern landscape for ambient ish music is, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of this discourse about like the problem of chillness in music (laughs) these days and like music getting shifted into like these like, algorithmically generated playlists as background music and whatnot and as someone who's who makes music that could fall into spaces like that how do you feel about that state of things you know i think that like i don't mind that i mean i think that like having you know my music be something that people relax to or 
chill out to or even fall asleep to. I mean, I've heard all of these things are like study to like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that like, that's not, that's not an insult to me. Or it's not a bad thing. I think that like, you know, I think that I'm creating music that people want to listen to, you know, and, or they have specific applications that they want to listen to it. And like, I think that's great. You know, I know that I have specific applications for certain music that I like to enjoy and like, that that's not a necessarily a bad thing. And that a lot of that music too, isn't some, some of that's very specific, you know, you're like, Oh, I really love sleeping to this music. Mm-hmm. And, but you're very, you know, you want, one would be very selective on what they fall asleep to. And, and I feel like, if that's me, you know, I'm honored that you would, I could make music that would help relax and rest your mind or something. You know, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not, you know, I think that's, that's great. Whatever way people are, uh, are listening and, and finding enjoyment out of, I, you know, I'm, who, who am I to say that that's wrong or that I'm mad about that, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like that is kind of similar to the way that you described the experience live too. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to impose yeah. meaning down onto your listeners. Yeah, I want to, I guess like in, in so many aspects, I just wanted to be open and open-ended and just have people take from it what they will. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you start the YouTube side of things? When did I start that? Uh, maybe 2013? No, 2014. I forget somewhere around there, but I think I started around the same time as Instagram and I remember just putting up a few videos, like in the same way we, we kind of talked about, I, you know, I was watching a lot of gear videos and people making music on YouTube and stuff and being very inspired by a lot of people on that platform that I decided to try it myself and, you know, upload a few things. And um, yeah, it just, just kind of took off from there and just kept going. And I, I didn't necessarily want to be someone who like talked on YouTube because I don't really like talking in front of a camera. And so I just kind of started setting, doing these setups and using my hands and just making music and just strictly making music. Cause I, mm-hmm. that's really all I wanted to do. And uh, it seems like there's a lot, the difference that when I listen to your recorded material, like on like the latest album, for example, cause basically what I did is like, once I got pitched the full length. I was like, I want to try and recreate how I would have found you without mm-hmm. a publicist, you know? Sure. Right. So I looked you up on YouTube and I mm-hmm. started just listening to a lot of the sort of improvisatory yeah. experiments. And then listening to the full length album, I was like, oh, there is a huge difference in terms yeah. of like the level of production. Yeah, totally. How how do you feel about improvisation? Like what what appeals to you about that? I mean, I, I think improvisation, I mean, improvisation is just very, very fun. I think it's very, it, it's very, very fun. It's very challenging. I think it, 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 it builds a good different skill within yourself to, you know, be able to, to voice any kind of idea you have in your head and, and to play along and to, to riff and to experiment. Honestly, I think their, their improvisation for me has always been this challenge that makes me do something different or like set up the constraints and then just go within those, you know, limitations play and, and, and both play music, but also have fun and just play and Mm -hmm. um, experiment. And I think that for me, that opens up, you know, I think the both Instagram and YouTube aspect of those kind of like mini experiments and mini um, songs or whatever, they just help solidify different ideas in my head. And like sonic ideas that I would take to future recordings and, and, mm-hmm. and those ideas that I like and save for my music that I want to make and stuff. And so I think it's almost like, um, it's like a sketchbook of, of sorts. And you, you know, you have a lot of different sketches and then you get like a final, you know, a final piece and you took a little bit from all those sketches or you learned a lot from like all the things that you experimented with and, and tried like different textures and different shading and different line work and stuff. And I feel like taking all of those little aspects and then creating the final piece, like, yeah, it's different from the sketch, but it's a process. Mm-hmm. Right. So you wouldn't have gotten to the final version without doing the sketches. Along Absolutely. The way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that, I think Instagram for me is like a, it's just like a giant sketchbook. It's like an audio sketchbook where I have, you know, hundreds of one minute long, you know, songs and they're not really songs they're just kind of sounds or 
soundscapes or textures or certain things I'm just trying. And, you know, it's good for me too, because I can go back and look at what I did and like, oh, I remember I really liked that one thing I did and Mm -hmm. it's a good reference for me. And do you feel like the audience that you have on social media, particularly, I feel like with Instagram, if someone is following you on Instagram, they'd probably follow you just generally as a musician. But do you ever find like that there's like people who watch your stuff on YouTube who aren't necessarily aware of like the full length records or is there any kind of disconnect there? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, that's something that, you know, I want to, you know, I I think that um, people are, you know, when I put it out there, people get excited that like, oh, you like making a new record and stuff and that, that I am a, a musician that I, you know, that it is the most important thing to me, you know, Instagram and YouTube are, are great platforms and good tools, but you know, at the heart of it, I am a musician and I want to make music. And, and I honestly, that's what I do for a living now as I make music and in different aspects of music, um, you know, creating, you know, sound design stuff, soundtracks, remixes, like that's what I do for a living. And like, I think, you know, it, it used to be like, I think it was like people were a little bit more surprised or something before, but I, we've been working really hard over the years to like make sure people know that like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be on YouTube to be like a YouTube person. And, and mm-hmm. there's all the people that are really great at that and, and, and awesome <laughs> at being on YouTube. I'm, I don't think I'm great at being on YouTube, but I do like making music and that's just another place for me to, to put it, I guess. So once it does come time to move from the sketches to the, the full piece, how do you start planning out a record like where do, where does that impulse come from and what is it what 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 makes that process different than the sketches for you well i guess it's kind of changed over the years where a lot of my early recordings were almost like live improvisations like where i would similarly to the videos i guess they were more long form where i would set all the tape loops up and like record the parts on it i wanted but kind of approach it in a very improvisational long form way where I would hit record and I would start playing guitar and looping that and then playing the tape loops and everything. And, you know, it end up with like a seven minute song or something. And then I would go to sleep and like listen to it the next day. And I'm like, okay, that take was good. And mm-hmm. then I wouldn't mess with it. Cause there was a point, you know, when before all this, where I was, I've had so many songs I didn't finish and I had so many multi-tracked recordings that I just, never finished and I guess kept tweaking and stuff so with this approach I really just wanted to be able to like like finish songs and try to finish them in 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 a concise way Mm -hmm. and so I I found that this approach worked for a lot of albums and for uh for many years I just kept doing it like this and just to like not overthink a song um and just let it flow um I think now within the last few years like I've gotten back into multi-track recording, but it's still with limitations. And I, I still don't want to like have, you know, 20 tracks of stuff. I, you know, I like to keep it pretty minimal, but it does open up like just a lot more options to take my time with and to build songs that aren't just, um, you know, one-offs where I just did it. And I don't know if I could do that again in the same way. I still do that for some songs too, but I think it's, I've been taking a lot more time to craft them and, and everything. So, and you feel like that is working better for you now? I think so. I mean, I I think that it in in ways it's just changed um, my workflow. You know, the, how I I've, I've done it, and like it definitely takes more time for me. But um, I think before, like it was a real need to put out music. And maybe it's too much music. I don't know. Like I, for a while there, I was like cranking out a lot of albums and like just wanted to put out so much music. And maybe that was just in response to having so many years that I didn't. Uh, but now I feel like, um, you know, taking my time and, and, and putting something out that I'm really, um, really proud of and stuff. It, it, has been, it has been working out for sure. What did you have planned for 2020 before things right. went to shit? Yeah, I mean, before things went to shit, uh, you know, I had my label mate on the Flenser uh, midwife. Uh, we were going to go on a tour this past summer, and I was really excited about that. 
but that didn't happen, <laughs> um, obviously. Uh, there was another band, this band Holy Fun, that I had played a show with in Portland, and we became friends and, and fans of each other's music. And uh, they asked me to go on a tour with them in the fall, and that, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, I, I, there's, and then, I mean, with this release of this record, you know, we were talking about going on, doing a tour for the record and, you know, possibly touring, like doing a European tour this summer mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that's fallen through. And, you know, so it's just kind of like, I mean, I think it's just a lot of tours. I mean, there's some, a lot of like work and projects that got postponed and like canceled and stuff. And, you know, I think that you know, like everyone else, it's just been, you know, just this, these waves of disappointment and so um it's been a lot of like really cool opportunities that you know that will just have to be rescheduled and hopefully yeah can 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 play again soon but i know this is a very loaded and large question but what has your life been for the last year um Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, what a what a fucking question. Um, <laughs> it's been my my life in the last year has it, it's just been totally different, I guess. In in so many ways, I have had a large upheaval in my personal life and in 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 my life in general and in social life and like everyone else. But um, you know, it, this time last year, I was in the middle of moving during the pandemic and I was moving into an apartment by myself and I was moving all my shit by myself and like, you know, I couldn't really ask for help from other people and stuff. And it was really, it's a strange time where, you know, it, it, it was so, you know, in a lot of ways, just very isolating and um, on so many levels and, and, and just kind of starting like that and then being alone and, 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 um i think that's where a lot of you know once i got set up and moved in and stuff like i remember just getting to recording a bunch and and just had this need to to make music and to get a lot of these difficult feelings out so in in the last year i mean it's gotten only better since then but um and worse (laughs) but i think that personally it's it's been a hard hard year um, but it's also just been uh, a, a major year of growth. It's been a year of um, a lot of things that, you know, I, I think I needed to go through and like needed to realize and needed to work out and work through and continue to work on. And um, yeah, I think that even though my life is totally different than it was, you know, last year, I don't know if it was, if it's the worst thing. In a lot of ways, it's been good. Um, but it's just been <laughs> trying, I guess, you know, <laughs> I should, that's putting it lightly as trying is <laughs> say, yeah, I don't know. I've been in New York the, the whole time. So like, I feel oh, like wow. my, my conception yeah. of like what is happening out there is like limited to like a five block radius. It sometimes sure. feels like yeah. what, what has been the vibe in Portland? Like, were you able to get out much? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I, I'm still able to, like, I was able to get out. Like I, I think I've gone on walks. Try, I try to go on like a walk every day and stuff. I've been able to get out and do things uh, you know, not a ton, but also mm-hmm. like, you know, I think, you know, uh, over, over the summer, Portland was, you know, being hot spot and, and for, for a lot of activity and, you know, a lot of protests and a lot of a focus on our city and stuff. And, and, you know, I think that it was a, it was a really wild time because with all of that happening, you know, obviously within the pandemic, and then we had, uh, and we had all of that going on. Then after that, we had like these, these forest fires that, you know, that were blowing smoke through Portland and everyone couldn't breathe and we're like seeking shelter. And that was, that was another, that was just like, it's <laughs> just another thing. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I just feel like it was just been these different waves throughout, <laughs> throughout the year here. And it's, and it's been, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's been, you, you think it can't get any worse and then it does. And then, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's been it's been a year. <laughs> I don't know, it, it. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine how it it is compared to uh, living in, in New York during this time. It sounds hyper isolating. 
Yeah. It, well, it's, it's kind of both at once is what I've found is it either feels like everything is on top of you all the time. You know, I, mm, I just yeah. moved into a, a new apartment. Sure. My last apartment was like three of us living in a, you know, typically cramped New York apartment. And then it felt like I couldn't get any space to myself for sure. Right. Um, but now yeah. it's like, I have a, this room, which is much better for everyone yeah. involved. That's, <laughs> so that's it, it, also, yeah. I think it's, it's kind of trending upward here in terms of life returning to normal to some extent. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had to really go through hell in April to get there. Sure. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I've been asking a lot of people about the COVID situation is like, I feel like some people kind of like rushed immediately into making art and dealing with it that way. And other people kind of, I feel like have been kind of creatively blocked up by it, but it sounds like mm -hmm. you're more the former. Yeah. I mean, I think a little bit of both. I mean, I, I while I, created a lot at the start, I guess, of the pandemic. I also had like this summer where I, I, I don't know if I, you know, I, I joked that I had retired because I was just like, well, there's not a lot of work and I've done recording my album and I don't feel very creative right now. So I just spent a lot of the summer laying in the park and smoking weed, <laughs> like hanging out. But like, I just, I don't know. I, I maybe I just needed that time to like, I don't feel necessarily very creative or inspired, but it's, uh, but it was, I try not to beat myself up. I'm like, it's okay. Like, you know, it, it will come back and, you know, things will um, realign again. But um, it, it, I definitely feel like I went through, through both, you know, waves of creativity and being inspired and then just droughts of being like, I don't feel like it. I don't have anything. So is this newest record that's coming out? in april was that the product of the work that you were doing at the start of the pandemic or does it predate yeah. that no that was that was that work so mm -hmm. like this like last april may that was uh the the peak recording times of of it and just yeah i think just working out a lot of a lot of feelings a lot of um you know a lot of what everyone is going through and experiencing and just trying to trying to process that I noticed there, like the title of the record, "Blooming," and then of course the album cover. There is this sort of recurring theme of plant life and nature. Mm -hmm. That sort of suggests this sort of like cyclical concept. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, mean, I think that like for me, like during that time, I you know, like I said, it was the one thing I could really do that I, that I felt safe about, like you know, kind of going for a walk and. Um, it, it was an interesting time because I mean, P Portland in the spring is so beautiful. Like everything is so vibrant and like pretty and alive and which is just like an interesting juxtaposition to the time of like, it felt like everything was dark mm -hmm. and like, so like, you know, dead and not alive and, and everything was felt way more dreary than this picturesque, you know, experience. And, and I, and I both felt like, hopeful uh you know by looking at it and experiencing it but also like this dread of like i don't know when this ends you know i don't mm -hmm. know when we like things get back to normal and, like just like everyone we're just waiting it out and so you know there was this thought of you know as i was recording this record and and you know there's certainly a lot of i think like darkness and a lot of different themes in the album but I didn't want it to be like a, a, a doom and gloom album necessarily, but I wanted it to feel like the, the realist way of like that things are dark and things are uh, bad, but then they're also hopeful and that mm -hmm. they, there can be a silver lining, I guess, and or just like knowing that it will get better some <laughs> eventually and so right. I, th I thought of that that cyclical nature of both like that like even when it's the darkest time like we will you know it will get better things will come back just as they do uh you know in nature and in, in these seasons like maybe this is a season of of dreary <laughs> like bleak winter but there will be a spring again and i wanted that to be reflected in the album that you know, just the, like you said, the cyclical nature of things and then that, um, and some of our 
darkest times, there will be some of the brightest times eventually too. Mm -hmm. There's also a really nice kind of parallel of making tape music that loops yes, and absolutely. it being cyclical. That, yeah. that is that is a hundred percent part of it too. It's like the the loop is I mean, it's almost like the loop is my life. The loop has controlled me. It's like I am not only I am not only creating the loop, but I'm in the loop. And we're all in it. And that that loop is, is just significant. You know, it is it, it always comes around. And there's I mean, obviously, like creating music with tape loops and loops is it can be a very beautiful thing. And so mm -hmm. I, I think I just wanted that, you know, that reflected in that theme uh, to come through with this record for sure. Yeah. There's also something kind of beautiful about the idea of making something that already sounds like it has existed because that sort of implies that it like will continue to exist in some way, yeah. you know, like if you're capturing this moment in the present in a way that already makes it sound old, that's saying like, there will be a future at some point that this music is that old in, right. you know, totally. I think too, like the, the, the fact that like, I, you know, when I recorded it and like submitted it to the label and stuff, and obviously it took time with mixing and mastering and going to the vinyl press. And I didn't really know when it was going to be released. And um, I mean, the timing of it to be released like in April and like almost like a full year later, and it's going to be in, in the blooming season here and everything that it is awesome that it worked out that way. But also I didn't even know if we, if we would be out of anything yet. And I, hmm. and I was just, curious to see like oh this is my like quarantine pandemic record where everyone is like have, has one you know <laughs> or will have one and that like that mine will still have been throughout this like it's just like that is it like it was made and released uh all during that time and 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 to look back on that too like you said like to to know that like yeah there will be an eventual brighter future and everything but that this is a, certainly a stamp in that time mm -hmm. moving away from these more poetic and artistic topics <laughs> <laughs> i should have asked this earlier but um you also have a patreon yes uh yes. which i i've found particularly interested in the covid era as like a way for artists like i've i thought that musicians should, should have been using patreon for years before that but mm -hmm. it seems like it's this really great substitute or supplementary income stream for yeah, artists absolutely. that can't perform live for sure like right now it's like been like a, a lifeline for sure and i know a lot of other artists and musicians and creators who are using it uh, as such you know to supplement their income to help pay their bills you know to to uh just survive and for me it's definitely been that and i want it i think it's a hard platform too because some people like you know, I think more and more people are understanding it, but like, I think it's just like a hard thing to necessarily get people to, to want to support you. And, and, and some people just want to support you no matter what. They're just like, here, I like what you do. Take five bucks a month. I don't care. Like, mm -hmm. and, and like, and it's just like, you know, in a world where there's a lot of like content, you know, you have to create content for that too. And that's, that's part of it as well. And just like, I think that, you know, I, I, I want, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I just think that it's such a it's such a great platform for that, and like to get people to support on it is such has been such a great thing to have during this time that I I don't know where I would be uh, without it. And I don't know where I would be without people's support. Just being like, hey, I know it's rough out there, and you know, here's a couple bucks. I hope that helps. Like mm -hmm. it does. I feel like a, like a busking, you know, musician. Uh, but I can't be on the street. I'm just on the internet. I mean, like, I, this is what I do. And if you want to like, give me some money, that would be amazing. But also you don't have to, no one has to. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, the, did you start doing the Patreon before COVID or was that like in response? Like, how did you? No, get... I, I, I had it before, but uh, I, I started like really leaning on it more during, mm -hmm. during COVID for sure. But um, no, I had it before and I think it was just been like, me figuring out how to use it and how I want to use it and like how to get people to follow me on it and join me and stuff. And it's just like this, what I had feel has been like a steeper learning curve of like, like, how do you, how does this work? And like, how, if like, how, I have to figure out how it works for me and like 
convince people how it can work for them too and mm -hmm. everything so i saw that you offer lessons on it yeah i have a different tiers and then i have like little like um feedback things and like lessons and um you know i think that um it's been an interesting thing where um you know i think just putting a, a lot of this stuff out on the internet and everything over the years like has been certainly inspiring for a lot of people and um you know i get a lot of messages and comments and stuff that are very sweet and um just very nice of people just feeling inspired or wanting my help and honestly it's it's so much i i can't answer everything and that's a really hard part of of that too of like juggling so many platforms and so many messages and so many emails and but yeah i i just started trying to you know as as a supplemental income for me but also as like a experience for other people to do to, to do one-on-one -on -one zoom lessons and to teach what i've learned and what i know about my art and to help answer questions that people are doing uh, with their art or you know i said like consulting too if people like want my help with their with, with their music or whatever you know i even like i'll do guitar lessons i don't care like i just felt like it was a thing that i could offer that could help that could be mutually beneficial for you know for people so yeah one of the things i've, I've really liked about all of your online presence and i mentioned this at the top of the interview is like this the sense of demystification and the sense of openness and like kind of paying it forward in some way to like show other people like how this kind of music is made why do you think that you want to have that kind of openness with your audience like what leads you to that i i, I don't know i mean i guess i think that's just kind of who i am naturally I, I i do enjoy teaching i do enjoy sharing and um i think that for me it it, it i don't know it kind of seems like a no-brainer it just kind of felt like i i don't feel too protective over anything you know and and i just wanted to be able to share that and i guess that it, it's just kind of interesting that it, it kind of became this because i i just didn't really consider another way i didn't really i wasn't like oh i should i don't know i guess I, it just wasn't it didn't occur to me to do it another way it just mm -hmm. felt like i'm gonna do it this way and 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 answer questions and i don't know i, I don't know i guess that's just part of who i am that i can't escape <laughs> sure so going forward now that you know this you've got this record on the horizon but it sounds like you have been working on other stuff as well like what mm -hmm. what else do you have planned in lieu of you know being able to tour on this record what what's what's the future holding for you um yeah i think uh i i think that eventually you know be able to tour with it but until then you know for this it's just been a lot of promotion of it and um i'm just very excited to get it in people's hands and stuff and it's, it's something that i've been working on for a while and just looking forward to people hearing it but um other other projects you know i've, I've been doing a lot of remixes lately and the, I have a cup, a couple of those that'll be coming out soon. And, um, you know, I've been working on some, some video projects and, and I've soundtracked a, a few things that I, I've been working on. And, um, uh, yeah. And just, you know, I've had like some, uh, interesting like commission work too, and like working with, a, a use, having people use my music for some art installations and other things and stuff. So, you know, it's all been like this, like interesting mixed bag of like, you know, people hear my music somewhere, and like reach out to me like i can hear this music in this context of the thing i do or work with or you know someone who could use this and and we start talking and, it, and it's interesting and maybe it is because of that that openness or that open-endedness that um people have uh, i find my music and and creating music for different different things that are really fun and fascinating and, and they're like yeah sure i'll make a music for a podcast or i can make music for this thing or yeah it's just been a it's been a, a an interesting journey to see mm -hmm. where it takes me uh, when it comes to scoring are you talking like scoring films or yeah there's some some small independent films like scoring and stuff so uh -huh. yeah i mean eventually i love to score like a video game i think that'd be really interesting oh cool um do you, you have know, like a, a dream collaboration along those lines like a particular type of game that you'd like to do a score for not not like necessarily like dream i don't i don't i think that like there's there's a lot of different contexts i could see my music in but like i don't know like one i don't there's this like phone app 
game called Monument Valley. Have you ever played that game? It's like a puzzle game. Okay, I've heard about like, this, but I haven't yeah, played it. Yeah, it's just got really beautiful ambient music. And like, mm-hmm. I was just, I don't know, I, I got obsessed with it a few years ago. And, you know, I was like, man, so, like it's the combination of the game of the music and just the visuals. And it just very like, it's a very serene and peaceful and like contemplative game. And you play and you have all these interesting puzzles. And I just was, became obsessed with it. But I, I always thought like, a game like that with my music or something would be like an amazing pairing or something mm-hmm. that that could be really cool. So, if there's any you know video game developers out there, <laughs> uh, you can hit me up for sure. Yeah, well, that pretty much covers it for me. I thought this was this went great. Well, thank you so much for yeah doing this, and it's it was great talking to you, and I hope um yeah I hope it's it's a good episode for you. <laughs> I think it will be. I thought this yeah. went very well. So yeah, okay, nice cool. meeting you and having this conversation. Thought it went great. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, th- nice meeting you too. And uh, yeah, ha- good luck with everything. And yeah, I can't wait to listen to it. Absolutely. See you later. All right, go cool, later. Thank you again for listening. And thank you, Randall, for joining me. Extra thanks to Stephanie Marlowe for arranging the interview. You can buy Blooming through the Flenser. I've included the link in the show notes. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so by emailing me at lambniformsband.gmail.com. If you liked this episode, give it a good rating and review, or share it with a friend that you think would dig it. Until next time.